What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 354. My name's Steve, one of the co-hosts, and as always, I'm joined by... Ron. And John. Guys, how's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. (laughs) Pretty, 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 pretty good. Steve, did you know? Pretty, pretty good. Steve, did you know, John, that you know that we are becoming more active on YouTube? (laughs) I've heard. Did you know that? No, I've heard rumors. Can't be true. Heard a distant rumor. Yeah, more active on YouTube. No, Ronald, that would be too much. We're already killing it in the podcast realm, audio and video. And if someone were to say, (laughs) "Are these guys going to amp it up in either place?" I sure hope it's not YouTube because that would be too much. That's too much. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell me we've done it. We've done it. We've we've dyed our hair blonde, and we're (laughs) we're fucking going to restaurants, eating burgers. Putting out hmm. the good work that is movie schmovie in all shapes and forms, including <laughs> YouTube shorts. Was that a Guy Fieri thing? I, I, that's where yeah. he was going. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was like, he's was... driving around to dive in, drive, yeah. drive yeah. Di- diners, whatever. It, you, took, you, just... you took us on a little mental journey. It was a I little went, puzzle. I, that there. was a yeah. trip. Yeah. Blonde hair. Okay. I'm, I'm with that. And then, then eating burgers. I was like, I was like, blonde hair, dyed my hair, black. Zach Efron, diners. <laughs> yeah. Nope, not him. Who is he? <laughs> Oh he, man, yeah, that's that's good. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, part of me feels like we should have left some of the some of it for someone else because we're just doing too much and too well too in much. things. But I mean, you know what? If you can do so, let's do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, they're great, and 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 you're doing. You know, we're trying to build that out. You're doing a great job with that. And thanks. Yes, yeah. movie movie. I mean, it's our content. It's not like I'm I'm not pulling shit and making gold. There's there's already gold that I'm just. Added yeah. <laughs> what a what a what a line, and more more like that all over on the YouTube <laughs> movie movie channel, youtubecom slash podcast. Um, but yeah, go over there if you haven't yet to the to the YouTube. Uh, if you you can listen, you can listen and watch these full episodes there if you want to do that every Friday. But yeah, we're starting to put out more shorts during the week. You know, something short, concise news, trailer stuff that drops in between episodes that we can't be as timely on. Um, that's that's a lot of the motivation. There's also clips from the episode, the full episodes that will be dropping too to kind of give a little give a little taste of what is on the full episode. Because um, I think it was Jack Black that said in Orange County, "You only give a little half nip, you don't give them the whole nip. You got to keep them one and more." Mm-hmm. Um, he did that in the the admission video for college. You know, like you don't you don't show the whole nip, you only show half. I didn't quote it's it very good well. Advice. It's good advice. Fucking, it's I, a great clip. Good to me. Go watch Orange County. You know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, so it's it's exciting to see that, and you know, hopefully, it, it helps you know build awareness for the podcast for the full episodes that we put out every Friday. And uh, I really like just the idea of being timely with some of that news because, like, it's probably yeah. the our, our main blind spot. You know, a weekly a weekly show. We always have a news section. The bigger items, we dive into a little deeper. But some of the things that we talk about nonstop on our on our text thread is like stuff that we want to just talk about on the podcast. And sometimes we can't. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool to just post it on the YouTube in, in a short format, something clear, something very short, less than a minute, like you said, Ronald. And uh, yeah, just to get a little taste of the show and, and the fun that we have on the show. So if that sounds like something you want to follow along with, maybe get some of the news throughout the week from us. It's um, again, YouTube.com slash Movie Podcast. Um, 
Check us out. Yes. Probably sounding like the guy from the Micro Machines commercials because we'll be like trying to pack so much in. <laughs> yeah, we're going to record it at normal speed and yeah. Ron will just cut it down. Yeah. Hell yeah. It'll take us three minutes to record it and then it's like he'll just speed <laughs> it up to get it under that cap. Does does that cross generations, Micro Machines? I know you guys are a little bit behind me. I'm, 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 I'm it on it. I'm on it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're there, but I think we just yeah. lost... Um, Mm. Probably no one on the podcast. I don't know anybody that listens. Well, I'll just say this: <laughs> Young Micro, Micro Machines commercials always had a guy talking really fast, talking about the product on the commercials, or at least for a while that was their thing. And I think that guy, outside of those commercials, he like went on talk shows and went around doing appearances really? just because he could talk really fast. I mean, that was an example of like yeah, I remember that's that. like a hangover of like variety shows of the '70s and '80s that sometimes someone would have like a weird thing they did, and that was all they did. Yeah. And essentially, this guy was, you know, like an auctioneer without an auction, just going around talking fast. Um, and he, you know, managed to turn it into quite a career. I should know his name. <clears throat> and that, that right be- there will be the next short one. Yeah, see? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube.com. Except Ronald, if you do podcast. that, put his name up on the screen. So, so yeah. we know and, and speed John up four times. Yeah. And put like a... Um, a- Cut out like a head floating in the middle of the screen. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. Um, the floating head. The floating head. Yeah. So we got a lot to get to. We're going to do our required viewing in a moment, and we're going to do like a kind of a, a catch up on the uh, first season of House of the Dragon. But uh, speaking of news, there was a pretty big news item that dropped. Um, we'll record this on a Wednesday, but on Tuesday this week, um, beyond the. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, the teaser dropping or the trailer dropping slash leaking later the same day, huge announcement comes out of DC that um, James Gunn and Peter Saffron are basically going to be co co chair, co CEO. Uh, what, what, yeah. yeah. Those two things of uh, a rebranded DC films of well, DC films, DC studios now. Yeah. Um, t- wow. Like, I, I I was like stunned when I saw it. Even in the, me sending it to you guys, I was just like, "This is, this feels massive." Um, we should all well, get fired the way that James yeah, Gunn was that's fired. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let me go find that thing that I did that was like not appropriate and yeah. uh, see how my trajectory. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> listeners, go back and listen to the early episodes of the show and just tell us which yeah, episodes find it for us. We said inappropriate yeah. things yeah. on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This is like crazy. Like we all we're all fans of of James Gunn, like most of the things that we've talked about that he's had any hand in on this show um, has been pretty much positive. And especially most recently talking about Peacemaker, which, you know, might be one of the better DC things, in my opinion, that they've put out in the past, I don't know, five to 10 years. Um, So, yeah, I mean, to see his kind of run with Marvel coming to a close with the two last guardian uh, projects um, and then seeing this announcement kind of was I don't. I was kind of shocked, to be honest with you. Um, what are you guys thinking about this? What was your your, your initial feeling to, to reading about this announcement? Um, I think more than the announcement, like effective November first. Like, how crazy is that? I heard, I heard that they're going to work November first is when they start, which is insanely close. You know, it's like crazy to think that they are starting whatever iteration of DC, I guess, I guess I want to talk about one of the biggest headlines that I kind of read that was there, which was uh, on the internet that it basically, a lot of people feel like it's a bad idea because he has like kind of an adult tone to his things. 
very heavy duty, nasty jokes from time to time. Um, and I don't think that's going to be the tone of everything that he does. Mm-mm. And I think they just kind of, you know, he's a novelist. He's, you know, he's, he, he's, he's written things that aren't necessarily this heightened and to, to just give him one note, look at guardians. Guardians isn't, isn't schlock. It's like actually really rooted in emotion and uh, connections and, incredible soundtrack to match so like to to think that he's he's just gonna tell dick jokes for every movie like like batman's gonna be like oh my dick itches i gotta go to gotham it's just like it it feels a little he made me laugh though (laughs) (laughs) he made me laugh (laughs) so (laughs) my dick itches it just it just feels let's really good. Let's go to Gotham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what they can figure out why your dick itches? Is the greatest detective gonna solve that crime? <laughs> it just feels so dismissive. This will be what he's gonna oh, talk fuck. about, man. <laughs> oh my god. That, that that's kind of a first draft line. Oh man. Yeah, that's great. My, my dick itches, let's go to Gotham. <laughs> oh my god. Because the word's out that when you have that symptom, you yeah. go to Gotham. Yeah, right. Go to Gotham. Go to Gotham. I mean, that's the word on the street, guys. They've got creams oh in Gotham. Um, <laughs> I, I think um, <clears throat> the sort of other headline to, I mean, uh, Pete Safran is obviously, or Peter Safran, is that, mm-hmm. which is it, Peter, Peter? Pete. I think it's, if you know him well, it's maybe Pete, but to us, it's Peter. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Safran. Um, I mean, uh, Obviously, that's a that's a huge factor in this because this is yeah. a, this is a co CEO co, this is a co lead in both cases. However, right. um, I think an important thing to look at this as is that essentially what this means is that DC has or Warner Brothers has James Gunn locked into DC projects for four years. Yes. Yeah. So when you hear that it's like a temporary status or whatever, it's a four year thing. That sounds like oh, that's the kind of contract you might make. But also, like for for a filmmaker like James Gunn, that's like that's what he's committing at this point to to Warner Brothers is mm-hmm. you know uh, that the next four years he's you know because he's a guy who does have lots of projects going at any given moment and I, I feel like every few months I heard different news about some uh, DC based project or show that he was developing that might be a spinoff of Peacemaker might be something different clearly DC likes what he's up to I think he likes the kind of uh, creative freedom or uh at least freedom of tone that that DC was giving him over there. But the idea yeah. that he's going to be able to shape a multi-movie plan or even just dictate some structure as to which characters get spotlighted and what kind of movies get green light, uh, greenlit. I think that like, I think that in the end that, that James Gunn flavor that we like that you were talking about uh, is something that could, could sustain a, 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 a multi-film or multi-franchise approach, especially because of what you're saying, Ronald. The guy's not going to do the same tone for everything. Like Peacemaker is very much right. a dick joke, uh, hard R kind of show. I think James Gunn knows. <laughs> he knows that if, if he's doing the Batman, <laughs> you know. Maybe that's what got his. That, maybe yeah. what's, that's what made his dick itch. <laughs> it's it's you know what it is. It's kind of like um, a spidey sense. It's like when there's trouble, <laughs> when someone's committing a crime. 
<laughs> Batman's dick itches. Anyway, I can't believe yeah. we, we haven't gone this hard into the no, uh, no. into the uh, bro uh, humor f- <laughs> in uh, years. It's been a minute, so yeah, it's, it's been a long time. It's okay. At any rate, um, well, it's it's fitting talking about James Gunn because like dick jokes with heart is kind of what that guy does. But I think he can mm. modulate, and I think that yeah, the main thing is like agree. we're yeah. going to see him have a plan that maybe will get them into some of that stuff that, again, I think he does well. I know not everybody loves his tone, but I think he's great at making me care about characters and 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 then sometimes surprising me with what happens to them. And both of those things yeah. are, are key to this kind of storytelling. So whatever that means, I think the, the important thing about the November 1st announcement is that they're letting you know that this new team had nothing to do with Black Adam. That's that's the messaging there. <laughs> it's that like, you know, it's, it's they're starting on November 1st. It's like a way to let you know that nothing that has happened up till now is happening that like nothing that they've put in motion is part of the current plan you know that's sort of like a fresh start kind of thing i'm kidding about black adam it's not that it's not that bad but (laughs) but i mean that but that is the that is a very key distinction because you've got to believe that they are they have been not maybe not a part of that happening uh but they have to have been involved behind the scenes yeah these discussions about what's going forward you know because of the things that are already in play you know, um, you know, like the Aquaman sequel, Flash, you know, um, what else? Like Blue Beetle, like that are still alive and coming to a theater soon, relatively soon. You know, if, if you're talking four years, I mean, they're going to be a part of those things, including mm-hmm. some big thing that is kind of being teased in Black Adam, you know, and yeah. it makes it, it, you know, it's it, very curious to see how they blend that all together. If the whole motivation is doing what, you know, Zaslav talked about back at the shareholders meeting in terms of like having a new vision for this whole franchise, you know, even in name comparing it to what Kevin Feige's done in Marvel. Right. You know, like that's a pretty big undertaking and to say it's for a four year thing at this point, And we've got three or four things already moving. It's like finding that intersection. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you know? that you know i or i believe and that's the word is that eventually like or they will be recasting uh flash you know they will be doing some big things and between now and that movie coming out i wouldn't be shocked if that's actually a part of that movie mm-hmm. and you know i don't know it, it's it, it's a big undertaking and to be a part of that it's got to be exciting for the two of them especially with their track record um, both with James Gunn as a filmmaker and writer in the comic world, and even Peter Saffron, he's done a lot of production for WB, Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, and even with James Wan, he was a part of Aquaman. You know, he's done a lot with the Conjuring series. Um, so he's he's a part of that system already. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But just yeah, a pretty pretty eye opening and jaw dropping announcement to me to see James Gunn being announced as like. Like, you know, the conductor or co-conductor of what's happening for this entire franchise. And like Um, you said, Steve, it is a big job for him. Like, this is a big, a big deal. And for him, it must be a little bit like being given the keys to the, to the, to the, to like the toy factory, sort of, you know, it's like, yeah this guy loves these characters and loves the kind of possibilities of this kind of stuff. And again, I think this, the four year thing too, it could continue, but I, I think that he's a guy who doesn't like to be too hemmed in and too pegged as one type of filmmaker. So right. I mean, I don't know. I just can't imagine that he doesn't have big things planned. Um, and um, I wouldn't be surprised. My prediction is that ambush bug will finally 
uh, be made into a movie or a show. And if you don't know about Ambush Bug, uh, look it up. But it's a very it's it's a tailor made for James Gunn kind of kind of. Okay. Yeah, concept. I'll look it up. He's a, he started off as a minor Superman villain who became such a joke that they just started using him as a kind of almost like a Deadpool like character. He he seems oh, wow. to be a little bit aware of the meta aspects of being in comics, and then after that, he just became a a a, a, a comedy character, like not a good guy or a bad guy. Really, oh, just wow. just <laughs> he just showed up in his own comics, and it was always like a comedy version of what was happening in the DC universe at the time. So <clears throat> anyway, ambush bug. Uh, that's my uh, that's my prediction. Give it give it within four years, maybe <laughs> you'll hear that name okay. mentioned. Ambush in the bug. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll keep I'll keep looking around. Uh, but anyway, so that's all, and that's also exciting for us because he's he's one of our guys. So um, yeah, yay James, and again, yeah, what a trajectory. We, we referred to the firing, but it, it's pretty hilarious how that went. Got fired, yes. got hired, got hired. Got hired. <laughs> yes. That's like yeah. that's like three hires in a row. And that's the hires so got better each time, you know. Um and I do think there's some whiff of him closing things out with Marvel, the way that he's talked about things with regards oh, to the Guardians character. He he has left it open that he would do something for them in the future, and I don't doubt that somewhere down the road he might. But I feel like this is a real sign of, you know, where his head is at, what you're saying, Steve. This has to have been you know, something he, he hasn't been able to talk about until now as far as, yeah. like, why he might know so much or why he might be so tied up with, with DC stuff. But, um, but yeah, otherwise, the Guardians trailer, uh, the Guardians Christmas special trailer would have been something that would have felt momentous and we would be talking about that maybe. But instead, yeah. like you said, Ronald, it was kind of a, oh, the cool trailer leaked. Oh, that's interesting. That's our James <laughs> Gunn for the day. What? No. Oh, he's he's running DC now? Oh. <laughs> And, and they've sort of yeah. changed the branding too, right? It's gone from DC Extended Universe to now they're just calling it the DC Universe, I saw. I, I saw that too, yeah. But I don't know if that's a an actual dictate or if that's just the way this is being reported. But that never quite made sense to me, calling it no. the Extended Universe anyway. The Extended Universe. Glad they got rid of it. Out of here, Extended. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you picked it, Ronald. Let's talk a little bit about this week's required viewing. I can't wait to get into this one with you guys. Yeah. So my pick for this week was uh, for the required. Re blah. My pick for the required viewing last week was the serpent and the rainbow. 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 Yes. <laughs> yeah. Based on a book. Uh, and some of the material was taken into this fictitious uh, story. That yeah, is very lightly based on a book. I have a feeling, yeah, ba based yeah. especially on like the last act. I, I really don't think any of that is in a, yeah. a true story. But <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, so that was my pick, and I, I guess one of the things I didn't realize was uh, it's a little harder to get than I expected. Um, and I apologize for that. Oh, really? Guys. It was on Peacock uh, for free. It was it? on Peacock. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Me either. Peacock is Peacock is. I've had uh, praise uh, from Peacock lately. Uh, there was like two minutes of commercials you had to sit through at the beginning, and then it was uh, no, it was no commercials after that. So really, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, it is on Peacock. I, uh, um, unless uh, Peacock doesn't have like sub subscriptions under mm -hmm, it the way other mm -hmm, services no, do. No. It's not like Amazon. Yeah, now, it's just I do know, Peacock. Yeah, I do know that the the high end one makes things available that aren't available to the standard one so, I, I, I would find it strange if i was paying for the high-end peacock because i really don't think 
Um, <laughs> I, 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 I get, uh, you know, bargain birds uh, <laughs> okay. across the board. <laughs> bargain birds. Uh, but yeah, what would you guys think about the movie? Well, let's talk a little bit about what it is and who made it. Like Wes Craven. Oh, yeah, is, Wes Craven. Is, is yeah. the guy. And I was realizing we've talked about... Uh, a lot of Wes Craven on this show because we've done mm -hmm. the we did the Scream series we did a, a, every one of those movies on this show and we've done the Nightmare on Elm Street series, which had three directed by old Wes. Um, yeah, correct. Three directed by Wes or just two. He directed one and mm -hmm. three and the New Nightmare or did he not direct three? He didn't direct three. Chuck okay, Russell did. So just one and and New Nightmare. New Nightmare. Um, yeah. So yeah, in that sense, uh, 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 this Wes Craven is one of our guys too, I guess. But I, I do I do yeah. think there's something about the the quality that he brings to a film that you can feel even in a film that you know has dated aspects and feels very of its time like this one. But it's it's basically yeah. like you said, it's a true story or it's based on the true story, and it's like a real grounded attempt to show you what what real life voodoo zombie you know, kind of there's urban legends about zombies that are based on voodoo, uh, Haitian yeah. voodoo. And, um, and this is sort of a, you know, a true story of a, of a very, a very white man, a man so white that his nickname is white. Uh, <laughs> they call him Blanc in this, but, um, it's, it's very much a, a white guy amongst a bunch of, uh, uh, black people. And he's, there's like, often he's scared of them just cause they're black. It's, <laughs> it seems, <laughs> Maybe yes. that was just my reading of it, but I felt like the optics of the time were very strange. That it often, at times, Haitian culture and just street culture is presented as though it is scary to Bill Pullman. Um, yeah. But so yeah. often he seems to be like the butt of the joke of this thing. So as he gets deeper into yeah. this like Haitian voodoo uh, conspiracy, um, he he seems a little bit like it's almost like Jack Burton in uh, Big Trouble in Little China, or or like Bruce Campbell to some extent. That seeing him get knocked around and getting the piss knocked out of him is kind of part of the movie's mission statement. Yeah. I even thought his color scheme was very Bruce Campbell in, in Evil Dead. He had like the brown pants and the blue shirt. And I wondered if that was Wes Craven, like doing a little nod because Bill Pullman yeah. definitely seems like you're supposed to sort of see him as the hero, but you're also supposed to see that he's, you know, there's something kind of whiny and, and punchable about him. Or maybe that was just <laughs> me seeing it that way. <clears throat> um, he has one of the best yells I've ever heard in a film like he yells quite a bit and you know i think that was one thing that i was super afraid of is like how racist will this feel um you know watching something and i guess this is a you know this is a a, a half compliment you know given the time and the opportunity that west could have had to make this more racist it is only a cursory level of racist versus to, you know, like racism of the time versus like somebody being like, let's make them look crazy. It's, it doesn't feel like that funny enough. And I think I was expecting that a little more. It felt like they were more like, white man, stop coming back to this situation. <laughs> and he kept coming back and it got worse and worse and worse. Whereas when I watched it when I was a kid, I was like, all these things are happening to him. But I'd forgotten that he left like three times and kept coming back. They they nail did they nail his dick? They put a spike through his scrotum. scrotum. Spike through a scrotum. I like how they, they had to I don't know if that was Bill Pullman's contract or if that's just 
male, like, uh, you know, like whatever paranoia or something that feeds into the script. But they had to really right. hammer it home, no pun intended. They had to really hammer it home that he was that he was still functioning. Like the narration yes. said I was alive and intact. And then like a later scene, he's sitting there talking to the woman and he's saying, so yes. it's just my scrotum, right? It, like, it, was just, it, was, it was just a hole in the scrotum <laughs> is what he said. <laughs> He's like, you got to put that in that script. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Bill yeah, Pullman I mean, doesn't <laughs> doesn't get his do. nuts smashed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think that I realized when I was a kid how heightened Bill Pullman's performance was. Like when I was a kid, I was just like, this is how I would be if I were scared. I'd be a bumbling kind of guy. <laughs> But watching it now, he is so, I mean, and I'm not even talking about like, if you watch Spaceballs, um, you know, he's he's really silly in that. It's not even the same tone as Spaceballs. It's a little more. You say, wait, wait, wait. That. You're saying that Wes Craven's The Serpent in the Rainbow doesn't have the same tone as Mel Brooks's Spaceballs. <laughs> no, no. This, this statement <laughs> merits further inspection. Now, I, I know what you mean is that, well, I thought about his character in Ruthless heightened. People. I don't know if you know yeah. Ruthless People, but in that he plays like the blonde like uh, frosted tips, kind of uh, surfer dude, kind of bimbo guy, and 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 that there were there were shades of that in this character. He was playing certain moments, like almost with like a dumb look on his face, you know. And yeah. I really wonder how much that was just them going for intensity and Bill Pullman being a gifted actor, but more more at home with like light comic acting than like intense acting. And how much that that was the intention. Like, did you guys think it was the intention to sort of show? Like one of those things where halfway through the horror movie, you realize that the protagonist is is kind of a a dupe. <laughs> yeah. Has to I, I mean, be, I, man. I, I mean, maybe I don't know. I, I don't know that I really, I don't know that I really kind of like thought about that watching this. And I realized that I, 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 I think I too watched this when I was like really young, and I didn't remember mm -hmm. a lot of this movie. So like rewatching it, I. I don't I don't think I watched uh, watching it this time. I don't I don't feel like I liked it as much as I thought I thought I did or thought mm -hmm. I remembered liking it. And it may mm -hmm. have just simply been that, like, I was like in love with Wes Craven at that point and like okay. was just probably loving everything that he did. Um, like even just in this movie, even like, Deadly you know, Friend, even Deadly Friend, Chrissy Swanson. Yo, I got I have that on VHS one room over, John. Is it a basketball that she uses to kill? Yes, lady? it is. Yeah. I love that movie. Not even joking. Um, but that yeah, might, like that Deadly might be a Friend, future required viewing. Nightmare on open. Elm Street. I mean, shocker. There's even like things in this movie that really kind of like feel like nods to his prior movies yeah. or movies, you know, that, you know, he had a hand in making, you know, even to that chair, you know, sequence at the end, like that is totally uh, shocker esque, or maybe shocker was after that. I can't remember which came first, but but it's also Nightmare on Elm Street esque because it's totally. like a nightmare element. I, my favorite part of the chair part, Steve, was when it's like chasing him and it like almost comes in the door and it kind of like leans in the door and then goes like and backs up. Yeah, <laughs> chair's like, oh, you. It's like, yeah, that's what I thought going. Yeah, there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I I did I did still enjoy it, and I mean, I do think it's kind of like a crazy story, especially if some of it, you know what the pieces of it that are based on truth and like um the first five minutes are probably true yeah. probably or just the idea that you know of what this what this chemical or this powder was you know that it is legitimately like something that they still study and that is is known to have a similar effect to on humans um but i don't know like i, I just felt like it, it really kind of came off to me as like 
kind of silly at times. And I'm not speaking just of Bill Pullman's performance. Like I, I didn't really, I actually came out of it thinking like, I kind of forget about Bill Pullman in that era. Yeah. You know, a lot of times, like, yeah. like you said, like ruthless people or space balls is probably the more, most common one, but like this independence day is the one independence I, day is, you know, a few days. years later, but I mean, that eighties era, Bill Pullman, like he's like a stud, like he is a, he's tall and attractive and like he, you know, they really kind of play up kind of some moments in this, in the movie, like, you know, the romance between them is kind of weird, but like, I kind of forget it in terms of that era. Like he was, you know, one of the guy, one of the it guys at that time, you know, to, so to yeah. see him in a, a Wes Craven kind of horror thriller and especially some of the stuff he does in the movie and, you know, some of the imagery in the movie, like, you know, the sequence when he's kind of like in the coffin and the blood's kind of coming up from behind, from beneath him and kind of covering yeah. his, that's some that's some pretty cool stuff for like a, a like a, a star to be yeah. doing in like a horror movie because it, it's him you know you can see it's him doing that sequence and you know um just some cool imagery in the movie for sure and I mean the whole voodoo element is definitely very creepy and you know spooky and um, mixing that with like the civil unrest that 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 the country's going through at that time I think it just like everything is so heightened in the movie that. Yeah. You know, it, it's it makes it entertaining, and the whole time you're kind of just feeling like it feels kind of natural. Like the what what you're watching to me feels like you're just watching people, like you know, beyond some of the special effects and things when it gets into some of those sequences. But like so much of it being filmed on location and things like that really kind of lends itself to really kind of feeling immersive, especially because I didn't really remember a lot about the movie. So within the first ten minutes, it's like it's very like ingrained in the culture, like when they're there and, you know, yeah. talking about the different kinds of magic or the different kinds of voodoo and, you know, uh, Celine, is that, what was that his name? Celine? Yeah. Yeah. Versus, you know, the, the, the other, the other voodoo, the, vo uh, the voodoo doctor, like, I don't know, just like that balance of stuff. I didn't remember any of that from the movie, yeah. honestly. Like I only really remembered the imagery of Bill Pullman in the casket and like, that blood yeah, sequence same. and the chair sequence. I, I like basically the last like 30 minutes is what I remembered. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, just a quick note. I just looked on uh, Wikipedia. This it, it was 1986 ruthless people, 1987 space balls, 1988, this right. Like, so, so who was Bill Pullman at this point? I think it's interesting that you're pointing out his kind of leading man quality, Steve. I, I think you're right, but I also think he's one of those guys who plays the the quote unquote Baxter character, you know, in the romantic comedy, because when he does a leading man, he has a slightly he still has a slightly sure. off there's something about him. Like you and oftentimes those guys who are like leading man-ish, <clears throat> like in mainstream movies, they'll have a type that they play. Oh, he plays the dumb guy, or he plays like this. The the you know the president in Independence Day is like the solid kind of dad vibe or something. That right. Bill Pullman can right. Do. And then the the romantic comedy, the jilted lover type, like he plays that guy. Um, if that guy's gonna get to play the action lead in a movie, right? It's probably gonna be a genre movie or a horror movie right. or something right. where they're like, well, you know what? We can't get Harrison Ford, we can't get Kurt Russell, but we can get Bill Pullman, and he can stand there and put his chin out, and he looks pretty convincing. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So maybe yeah, that's why true. you see those types of actors doing this kind of like, like you said, really going for it in a genre role. I also don't doubt that Bill Pullman could have seen Bruce Campbell getting blood sprayed on him and and uh, and 
Evil Dead and thought that looks fun because some of that stuff in this movie really did feel like it's going for that kind of, it's like a, a mixture of a nightmare se sequence from an Elm Street movie and something else. And even right. the way the climax ends up being this physical brawl, but with mystical overtones, it reminded me of the end of a, of either a Candyman movie or a Freddy movie or something. Totally. It, it had totally. that feel. Yeah. And you almost see the template that could have turned into a series around this, the idea of these kind of voodoo priests who could keep coming back. And I got to say what happens yeah. to that voodoo priest at the end was so grisly and and like just awful to look at that it felt you know there was some that was disturbing there was some disturbing imagery in this i even think the kind of bride character that pops up in a couple yeah. of situations that, yeah. and ripping her face apart and stuff that was pretty creepy also ends on a freeze frame can't beat a movie that ends on a freeze frame um, it's, it's, it's got to be a sudden freeze frame ronald it can't be a freeze frame that feels like you're building up to it it has to be <laughs> sudden and a little bit weird yeah yeah it's 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 kind of a similar situation um like steve like i i remember the confrontation and i don't think i thought you know it's crazy i remember elements of what the man was saying like you know what, that he was taunting yeah uh, <laughs> as he was punching him like i remembered that but i didn't remember that it came from that movie um and you're right toward the end that that last 10 minutes or so got so cartoonish like it got but it was it kind of was what i needed <laughs> and i think as a kid as a kid you know what it, it's it's strange like i thought of this as a horror film but but watching it feels like a thriller with horror elements more than right. i watched this this time um and i and i've kind of i kind of took it in like that it felt very lit but like very lived in like you were saying like very lived in to the point where I was like, why does this feel so authentic? I don't know. Like, even if some of the story elements of the voodoo didn't feel, you know, whatever, however you feel about voodoo and cu its cultural cultural representation is one thing. But the townspeople, the interactions with them, the regular looking people that they had just kind of being there present. Like when, when he's panicking, he kind of just, bu he, he bumps into the guy and he's like, no, 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 mm. Don't touch me. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with it. No, I made a note, Ronald. That might be my favorite moment in the, in the thing, because that guy was so like, don't put that, don't put that on yeah. me. Don't put that on me. You know, like I'm <laughs> yeah, just walking yeah. down the street. You're, you're cursed. You're doomed. Yeah. Everybody here knows it. No, that scene was good. Like that was a him wandering That's around, so not knowing what's happened to him and seeing him kind of in the role of you know the guy we've seen before because that's kind of the urban legend that's at the heart of this like grounded voodoo idea of zombies which is someone dies in a village and then someone says i saw them working in the field in this neighboring village you know and then mm. it's like the suggestion is there's somebody that has like workers that are all people under their control um right. and that maybe they were people that were drugged and killed quote unquote killed in this way and then brought back if you add in mystical dark art stuff then it's like a little bit more nefarious the idea that this person has kind of enslaved people um to work for them and, and you know there, there's a little bit of both going on in this movie the idea that there's a you know mystical control but also that it's right. based on this on this drug um so yeah i think that this movie kind of like plays into stereotypes of voodoo stuff but i also think it does present it kind of to what you were getting at ronald i think like i would agree this like it does actually try to show you the way that voodoo is part of a religion and a culture that goes beyond the kind of black magic that is the heart of this story. 
So yeah, I yeah. think that in some ways it's one of those like like you said at the very beginning for its time uh, this this portrayal is actually a little bit more nuanced than you might you might think it is. That doesn't mean yeah. that it holds up in 2022 and that it holds up as a cultural depiction. And again, I think if you told the story today, you just wouldn't put a white man at the center of it um, if you wanted to tell a story about voodoo uh, and that in Haitian culture. And they were actually shooting in Haiti, and then I think they had to leave because of political. Uh, unrest and they finished in the Dominican Republic. But um, one thing I wanted to say too, I learned from looking at Wikipedia is that, the, okay, this movie was 98 minutes and it was a brisk 98 minutes, you know, it really, really kind of moved along. Uh, the original edit was 184 minutes. Oh my God. And then it's like, oh, we took out some stuff to make it move a little faster. And it's like, yeah, no shit you did. <laughs> I can't imagine the three-hour version of this movie. Maybe oh, you would have man. just gotten more character stuff. But still, it, it seems like th that would have been a huge mistake for this to feel long. Um, yeah, I, really, sure. I really enjoy when a movie like this is uh, under 100 minutes. That's a, that's, a, that's a sign that it might be, you know, a painless watch. So. <laughs> All right. So, so overall, did you did you like it? Did would you? No, I enjoyed watching it. I I feel like I maybe a... saw it. Uh, I saw it. I think we rented this tape in uh, college at some point, and I don't know that I've seen it all the way through since then. And I may have been very distracted watching it the first time. So I kind of feel like this was the first time I've really seen it with adult eyes, and can mm. really retain it. And no, it was it was it was interesting. Like even when it was, there were aspects of it that were a little schlocky. I, I like seeing a Wes Craven movie. We've said it before. Uh, he's just always got a little something on his mind, a little something under the hood. Uh, and there is a production value and a you know a style that he brings to his films. And I see it more and more now that I can kind of compare, like, what does this movie have in common with a Scream film, with a Nightmare on Elm Street film? Um, and you can yeah. start to see there's a certain kind of a certain kind of vibe that that Wes brings. So yeah, no, I, I appreciated getting a chance to watch it. Mm -hmm. Steve, does that mean you're picking something for next time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I, I had two movies that I was going back and forth on, and I'm trying to think of the one that maybe you guys haven't seen. Um, I'm going to go with the the less known one. All right. Um, I'm going to go with, let me just make sure I got the year right. The best year possibly arguably the best year of film ever 1999 mm. um this is a movie that came out uh directed by antonia bird i believe it was after a kind of a, a, a troubled production let's say uh stars robert carlisle david arquette jeremy davies but most importantly my guy guy pierce yes this is a weird west cannibal horror dark comedy thriller it's called ravenous and um, okay, I absolutely love this movie. And uh, I remember when I used to work at the local video store and even when I worked at the Hollywood video, it would be one of like 10 movies. Like if somebody was like, what's a movie I've never seen or, you know, like <laughs> weird, a weird horror movie. I would always recommend this movie and people would love it. And um, again, though, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys have seen it. John, you seem to maybe have seen it. I knew um, from the cast what movie you were talking yeah. about. And I think it's, this was another thing that I saw like in a crowded situation. So I, I know this movie, but I don't really know what happens in it. I just know kind of the imagery and the sort of style of it. So I, yeah, this right. is, I'm looking forward and to it. And it kind of came out amongst a lot of other big movies and it's a smaller budget film. A, you know, it's, it's a smaller scale, but you know, it's this really cool cannibal horror thriller, but taking place in, you know, the West and, you know, 19th century. 
and uh yeah ravenous uh ravenous sounds like bone tomahawk a little bit it's more Comparisons. of a, it's, it's got a slightly more darkly comic tone than yes than bone tomahawk, it but it's in that that zone of like yeah cowboy movie that goes there and it, yeah and it's yeah it's gory it's gory so that that comparison okay. there um ravenous. yeah i've been i i i i've been wanting to rewatch this one uh I've been I listened to Guy Pierce on a podcast recently and just, you know, reminded me why I love him so much. And I know I mentioned <clears throat> Animal Kingdom before is one of my picks. So this is sticking with the Pierce. Um, just want more people to appreciate him, I guess. And uh, he's awesome in this movie. So, uh, yeah. Ravenous from 1999 on uh, for next week's required viewing. Noice. Noice. Um <laughs> So yeah, let's uh let's uh let's talk about some dragons. Let's hop on our dragons. Our, our young <laughs> cool. our young dragons. Dragon. Our young let's hop on the backs of our young dragons and take them through this storm. I'm sure we'll get through this storm safely and make it home. Um, <laughs> no, no, our, no our, doubt. No our doubt. dragon seems to be well, struggling well, well. a little bit to get ahead of the winds, and you know, as long as we don't like run into a giant dragon that can bite us into pieces um, <laughs> uh, with one big chomp, then I think we're fine. So, uh, like, chances of that very, show. very low. Onward, yeah. ho. Could, oh, three, could, could three of us ride on one dragon, or would because these dragons they're very linked to like one rider? Would they be like, no, I like, I like, I like Steve, but I don't like John, you know, or like <laughs> Ronald can ride, but the, the but combination, those other two can't. Yeah, yeah, like, and it's not a weight thing. I think the dragons could handle the weight. Oh, they it might definitely. just be they're like, no, this person can't hang. Um, yeah, but I'd like wow. to think there's a schmovie dragon that we could all hop on and ride around. Okay, I think so too. Get the, we could get that branding on that dragon. Yeah. <laughs> right. That would really get people listening to the pod. Yeah, yeah. You know, the way on the show, they talk about, like, who's got more dragons as far as, like, which yeah. army's going to win. Yeah. If, if we get in early as the podcast that has a dragon. Done. You know, right. It's over. Right. It's over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so first season of House of Dragon wrapped up this past week. Um, I guess just very simple, quick response. Go around the horn here. What what did you think of the first season, Ronald? Best first season of a show that I've seen in quite some time, especially in the like sci-fi genre. Okay, John. Like, met, met fantasy. Um, I think it it was kind of a slow burn, and I think it got me from being like, oh, I'm not even sure if I'm interested in this show and the, the characters it's dealing with. It got me like back into this world that I love and back into that that Game of Thrones feeling that um, was so intoxicating for so many years. So yeah, I was I was sort of sad this past Sunday when I realized, oh, no more, no more <laughs> like weekly dose of, of Westeros. Yeah, no, totally, totally agree. And I think that one of the things you just said is the key is just like getting you back into that feeling you know, we talked about it on a couple episodes back when we were talking about it when the, when the season started, but like getting you back into that feeling of hearing that theme song kick in, you know, and that feeling of, oh, this is like the penultimate episode or the whatever of season of Game of Thrones, like some shit's about to go down. And I think it just, yeah, it, it you guys are spot on. I totally agree. I love this season. I love the show in a nutshell. Like, I think they really accomplished a lot, you know, in terms of introducing the players seeing where the tables are and, and how everything's set up for the season to come. 
Um, yeah, like you said, though, I feel like the biggest the biggest downside is just that, like the re- the realization that I won't watch it again for a year or so. Yeah, um, if, if that. Yeah. I mean, At like soonest, I, I, yeah. I somehow would be surprised if they get a based on where we are in this calendar year. A year from now seems very soon, and this show always takes a little extra time. But yeah. they've been they have been working on. The second this wasn't a show where they like had to wait to find out if they had a second season. They that's were true. Forward. That's true. Um, and that and that actually gets into another thing that I'm confident about this show. I feel a little bullish on it storytelling wise because it is you know George R. R. Martin and the showrunners have expressed the sort of storyline that they've staked out from the from the books. This is not taken from novels. This is taken from that one book, Fire and Blood, that's like a history. And so right. there are historical accounts in a book that are written as though they were written by. Uh, someone in the time of the story. So like historians, yeah. Right. So it's written to be a, a document that can be contradicted by the show. So, totally like So it. with George R. R. Martin's uh, influence and okay and blessing, they can take the prescribed story as laid out in these histories and say, well, this one sentence here that tells what people believe happened, we can show you what really happened. Like, for mm. instance, there's a, there's a character on the show who's believed dead by most characters. We know they're not dead. In the book, they're dead. But on the show, you can see there's a conspiracy that the people that quote unquote wrote the histories didn't know, you know, so like the show can play with that meta aspect and surprise even people who are super nerdy about the content. But the upshot of that is they've said this is a four season story that they're telling. Wow. And like, that's what Game of Thrones needed was a roadmap from it needed all the novels to be finished, you know, like it needed that road right, map, right. because it's Game of Thrones, that, yeah. whatever you think of the remaining, like the last three seasons or so of, of Game of Thrones, three or four. Um, the showrunners did the best they could, but there was a turn in the storytelling that changed when they didn't have books to base it on anymore. And I just think this show feels like, it's like the way I felt about Better Call Saul. I think I may have said this before when we touched on it. It's like, okay, the creators behind this show, they know what works. They know what to do. They know what to push. They know what not to do. Uh, and now they're the same team in the same vibe with the same theme song, you know, uh, bringing it back and like, not to be nostalgic. This show does take you in new directions and it does try to surprise you. And it does, it does focus on a smaller group of characters and a smaller geographical uh, focus and a lot of that did make me feel a little claustrophobic at certain points as compared to the original show but i think again by the time i was two two or three episodes in i was hooked by the time i was five or six episodes in they had given me some moments that were that were heartbreaking and beautiful and awesome like the original show and by the time they got to the end of the season there are a couple of scenes that are amongst my favorite scenes that have been in this whole story you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, uh you know certain characters certain actors that were so great and i think the the slightly more relaxed focus um as far as smaller group of characters a little bit slower pace although time jumps between episodes that's been crazy i think they're done with that now that they've set up the core group of characters and the ages they're supposed to be and everything but no i just felt like this was a really interesting season i was actually kind of surprised to see how mixed some of the fandom has been on it um but then again i've gotten to the point where if i'm if there's a an established fandom for a thing that i'm appreciating i've just about learned to tune out the (laughs) fandom because it will it just the it's just yeah, it's just a bunch of pointless uh, arguing and negativity, wh- whatever way you're, you're leaning on something, you know. So yeah. um, 
No, I was I was really impressed with where this show got us to the by the end of the season. How, how emotional I was about certain characters and what happened between them. Um, yeah, that was just some great stuff. And the season ends with such a punch uh, that really has you salivating for that. Uh, you know, why couldn't it be an eleven episode season just so we could see <laughs> what's Rhaenyra going to do now that she's Yert. she's you know gone from like hopeful and conciliatory to like now it's on. Don't yeah, have think, babies back then. Oh my god! <laughs> Don't have babies. What the fuck? I'm like, but, but oddly episode, enough, they're having so many of them. I know she had six, that, and then well, yeah, ha- had five that made it, and one that yeah. really didn't. Poor, poor kid. That was that was, that scene kid. was in, in, that was insane. Man, I know that that scene made me like that was uncomfortable. Like yeah, I was very was. uncomfortable watching that it was scene. Really I mean, it was a very powerful scene, especially in the context. Of like what's happening elsewhere in the show at the t- at the same time, but like I yeah. just yeah that visual and just the graphic nature of it and just <clears throat> yeah just I think I think it you know the the other I think huge win with this show is just that you you kind of hit on it John is just that the casting is so great and even Patty with the time Constantine jumps, Patty Constantine right chanted Patty right yeah, yeah. Um, but like you know the, the 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 time jumps and stuff like that like. It, it seemed to kind of like shake some viewers. I, I didn't personally mind it, but I just feel like the casting of, especially, you know, Allison and Rhaenyra, like it was so impressive. And I think like the performances of both or all, all the sets of the actors and actresses were great, but like kind of getting to the end of the season with this core group that we're going to pretty much be with for the rest of the show <clears throat> um, was a pretty like bold thing to do, I think. And I think it well, paid off immeasurably. Like, I think the cast is great. All the performances are so good. Um, and it, it kind of creates this or doesn't create this. It's just kind of like, you know, gets us back into this comfort or discomfort with this world that, you know, we have all loved for so long. And it seems like, you know, the show's viewership is like crazy high. It's a unquestionable hit for HBO and HBO max and all involved. So um, man, it just sucks at the you know twenty twenty four you know for another season. It's right. just brutal. But you know, make it good, make it make it as good as this season, make it better than this season. You know, um, it seems like the pacing of the seasons to come was going to pick up based on some stuff I've read from the the, the showrunner who's taking over um at, in season two. Um, but which is was it Ryan Condal? Um, yeah, he, he was co showrunner on the yeah. first season, right? And he's taking right. over. Um. <clears throat> But yeah, it felt, man, like, it, it felt like Miguel Sapochnik was there as kind of a, <clears throat> as like a style. It, it setup. feels yes, yes, totally. Like like, like, like let's get you. some continuity. Here's a guy who directed some of the big episodes of Game of Thrones. Let's bring them in yeah. to kind of bring it over. Um, and so yeah, it didn't surprise me that that he didn't stick around. But no, I'm I'm just glad that there is this like George R. R. Martin seems to be signing on, and again he seems to be somewhat involved, uh, uh, right as well. So, um, does anybody have any favorite characters or moments they want to call out? Ronald, anything that really stands out? I mean, acting wise, the, the king. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Patty. I don't know if it's Patty Considine or Patty Considine, but the okay. character is Viserys, right? Yeah, I think. It's oh yeah, Viserys. Yeah, yeah. I loved him. What? Whatever, man. Like things get thrown around, like tour de force and all that stuff. Like I don't think. I don't know if he was a Shakespearean actor or something prior to this. I know he, I, I've seen, I, I saw his IMDb. It's not crazy. He's incredible. 
He's incredible. What he's yeah, that, doing. That, that throne room scene is just like that. That's one of the things John mentioned. Like that's an all timer in all the Game of I, Thrones. Like that's it. Yeah, it is. You, man. I mean, honestly, I was I was shaken by that scene. Yeah. I was so emotional. Yeah, yeah. It, I was so emotional at that part. I mean, and I think I think it's just like it's almost like they they understand that they have this. They they understand how to tell a story. But one thing that I, I didn't always think about so so much is like the passage of time and relationships between people like the sometimes the biggest killer is time you know that's a thing that you don't really see them talk about a lot in the regular game of thrones uh, but this really because we're skipping around the way that we are and you get to see people get older and see people change because of the circumstances it paid off in a way that I, I could never have imagined mm-hmm. in one season. This is like something you earn in four seasons, four or five seasons, earned in one season. And that that's kind of a, a credit to how well this, this is written and the usage of time hopping I thought was going to be a fucking nightmare. So I'm like, I feel dizzy. I don't know what the hell's going on it's, at first. But then we get used to it. You're like, all right, skip ahead 10 years. But then I'm when they okay get to where they're going, you can see why they had yeah, to, yeah. why they wanted to start where they started rather than starting sure, with yeah. everybody older. Sure. Because I think seeing the the birth order of these kids that are going to carry yeah. the story, the the history, especially seeing Allison and uh, Rhaenyra as as young girls and their young friendships, seeing yes. that rather than hearing yeah. about it was so much more powerful. And I also think taking Viserys from you know a a, a middle aged able bodied guy to like a guy who's like literally rotting away. Uh, as he's sitting there, um, uh, you know, I, I feel like that transition, like, honestly, we get to that eighth episode that has the the throne room scene we're talking about. It also has that dinner speech that he gives that's just incredible. Um, that stuff, that's like, whether it's Shakespearean acting or not, that's like Shakespearean level drama. And like that character is such a tragic yeah. character. And I think forever you'll be looking at characters on this show, the best characters in Game of Thrones, like Ned... I always think about how, like, there's this thing about Ned Stark in the first season where he seems like he's the guy most likely to, and then he do- he he doesn't. And then after one season, you're like, oh, shit, this show just killed the hero. But you get to season five, season six, and you go, that guy was never going to be the hero of this world because yeah. of... of yeah. He no got, chance. He got got because of the things that were going to make him not the hero of this world. He, he, he didn't know yeah. how to play this game. And I think Viserys is an example of a character who, like, we get to see that he actually does rule for decades, but like he—he's too normal. He's too relatable. A character says about him at one point that he would have been happy to just be a country lord, like reading his histories and having his hobbies and stuff. And it's right. like, okay, the reason why I loved Viserys as a character was because he—he was like that rare Game of Thrones character or Westeros character who's like, that's kind of how I might handle this situation. Yeah. I, yeah. I might tr- I might try to make everybody happy and please nobody, yes. you know. But the fact yes. that he did that for like twenty years, I feel like at some point we got to say, what about these leaders who? just hold the line and who just barely hold shit together while they're a leader maybe that's not a glory but there is something about that characteristic that like in even in the last episode we see uh is it renice like admiring about rhaenyra the fact that she's willing to show restraint at the war table and i think that like that's something that she got from her dad and that's really beautiful but we also see how it's not going to serve her in this situation either because 
we never get a chance to see what Rhaenyra might have been like if she could have ruled with restraint because she's about to lose her shit. Um, But so, yeah, this world is just full of tragic turns. And like Viserys, that thing he says to Alicent at the end, right before he dies, thinking he's talking, well, we're spoiling it. I guess if you're listening this far, you've heard spoilers, folks. But like, that's so tragic. Like, that's going to cause such problems and it's so tragic and it's something, one more thing Viserys did on his way out the door that was like trying to do the right thing and fucking up somehow and putting his foot in it. Um, I just think that that's an unusual character, and I think it's really cool that we got a season almost to spend with this guy who's like, he really should not be the king of this world, but no. somehow he is, you know? <clears throat> He's just like, will you stop bickering at my table? It's yeah. just like, stop this shit. Stop fighting over this throne, and none of you have the right to it until I tell you. I'm not even dead, and you're talking about that must... Okay, that's another thing too, right? Something that you don't think about either the idea that somebody's talking about you like you're dead already yeah you may have you may have 50 more years in you but they're like after you die and i take over, it's like i can't wait till you die so i can be the ruler and then i change everything it's like he's hearing that constantly and talking yeah. about his death constantly that you don't think about that stuff until He's telling them how much he loves them at the table. He's like, I sacrificed all this. Stuff. I love you guys. Like, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. give a fuck about what happens after I got. Just be good people. So it's, it's just like cool things. That Look at my I half a face. Look yeah. into the half a face that loves you. Oh, <laughs> God. How did they pull this off in one season? How? Well, they had eight seasons to pull from, but yeah, how did they just make a show that was this nuanced and good? I really think it's, you know, they got great actors and some, some good writing. And I, you know, I think they had the patience to know that maybe this season was going to take a little time for people to, to find their way back in. But once you're there, you're, you know, you said it, Steve, there's a certain kind of thing that you only get from, from this world, you know? Yeah. So. Sure. And I mean, something that like you mentioned, John, like the idea of like what happened in, in Viserys' like final scene. It is the scene. It is the incident that like basically takes us to episode nine and 10 and what, you know, is happening with Aegon and everything. But as we find out in that next episode, you know, in, in our in our episode nine, where we kind of see the green side of things, you know, even if it didn't happen, the hand, you know, and the council were planning to do it anyway. So they already we can, had the we, plan. We, yeah, we, we can say that, like him misspeaking to Allison, thinking it was Renera. And, you know, saying Aegon, but the wrong Aegon, you know, all this stuff. It's like we saw that. So that's the moment that like it kind of all just goes awry. But the reality is, is that there's so many mechanisms in place in this game, you know, that we're watching, you know, once again, this amazing series that like there's these like there's like these fail points or, you know, there's this like fallback to like yeah. she didn't have to hear him say that he could have just died, you know, and he could have went. You know, having the last vision of like his family actually getting along because he didn't see what happened no, with Eamon and you know Luke and Jace. Like he didn't see that that blow up, so it could have ended for him. And into his in his mind, it did, not realizing who he was speaking to. But I just feel like that's a great thing about the show too. In that this discussion we're having, you know, it is the moment that everybody's like, "Oh no, why'd you do that?" It's like, well, you fucked up. You said the wrong thing to the wrong person. But the reality is, is that this the, the Otto and this this council and even to Allison's not knowing it in that scene, I think is really great to be like, wait, what? You know, you were going to do this anyway. Like, yeah. yeah, things were in motion, you know, like whatever his line is, 
it's just like that's just fucking world man like you just don't know what's going on and like it's yeah it's just it's great man i love this season so much and uh and uh, yeah I, I just love the build through the season obviously yeah patty was great matt smith who i noticed in this episode the finale like obviously patty dropping off in the billing in the show yeah you know like matt is like the is top billing on the show now and uh you know like the cast is great and uh visually the show is amazing the whole dragon sequence in the in the end of episode 10 is just uh just wow insane uh, it's just like what can you say i mean like, i mean it's scary just, and upsetting incredible. honestly really really uh very a thrilling, a very... A thrilling sequence to yeah. watch you know on a tv show you don't get that very often and uh we've had it a few times this season already and it's in its first season so we're in we're in for some treats i think you know so i'm looking forward to to what comes for sure well just a quick note on that last scene and on something we were talking about with allison i think that it's interesting how the show is using that i told you how the book fire and blood has the history kind of mentioned in passing in that history there's no indication of why allison um like turned on Viserys's wishes. So the show, if if we do believe what you said, Steve, which is that this would have happened anyway, they would have they would have thrown they would have uh, right. crowned Aegon anyway. Um, maybe that note was there to give Alicent the sort of plausible deniability, a softening of her character to say, okay, uh, she's she thinks she's going with Viserys's wishes because as much as that was an arranged marriage and this that one sex scene was really awful to see there was this weird relationship between the two of them that was kind of mutual there was mutual respect between allison and viserys especially when she was a young like consort coming to talk to him before there was even right. like a marriage um and as bad as that arranged marriage was it always felt like viserys wasn't that into the whole marrying yeah. a child thing it just he did it anyway yeah. um but i also think that like at the end of this show in the original text um it doesn't seem like it's an accident like Amy and flat out kills Luke and his dragon. Um, and uh, uh, in the show, it's uh, similar to Alicent. There's a softening. It's presented as he should have known better, maybe. But Aemond is a kid, too, in some ways. And he didn't mm. intend... Like ne Neither of them were in control of their dragons in that last scene. And that's what made it so scary. But I swear, they did so much to make Arax... Is that the name of Luke's yeah. dragon? Uh, they did so much to make that dragon endearing. Just a few little nods that made him seem like he was a kid as a dragon. Yeah, and and yeah. I remember in Game of Thrones, they made it, they made it hurt when the dragons went down towards the end of the final season. So I, I think that that's something that I, that's really creeping up on me is how much I care about these dragons and the idea that they bond with a person. There's something kind of special about that. And I really felt yeah. like, yeah, this season ended with about as tragic of an event as could be if you are starting to care about like these totally. kids and their dragons and that idea of like of, of a young dragon trying to find their way in the world, you know, like I think that was really sad. But I think the show is trying to give us a more nuanced Alicent and a more nuanced Amy than maybe is in that original text by saying, yeah, the text says Eamon did this awful thing. We see that it was an accident. The text says Alicent did this awful thing. Well, we see that she believes, she honestly, does. no one honestly believes her that she yeah. heard this. Like, even Otto is like, good play, you know? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, no, it honestly is what he said. I'm trying to make sense out of what he said. Um, and yeah, as far as great actors who are still on the show, still living to, to be great next season, I think Reese Evans is... Uh, or Reese Evans, whatever we say his name, uh, as Otto is just uh, fantastic. Like he's just yeah. 
he's just and he gives you that same kind of quality that like a patty does of like just really a guy who can really just put the right curls on all those syllables to make his lines really pop and the kind of power player he is of course it reminds us of Littlefinger from Game of Thrones but it's got that yes. slightly different flavor he actually comes from a family that has power whereas Littlefinger was always a scrabbler a guy who was defined by not having any you know yeah not not being born to power um but no i i think that I th and, and Matt Smith, too. There was a moment in the season, you know, when they showed up back, it was after the six-year time jump, and Rhaenyra and Damon are coming back to King's Landing, and they're noticing all, like, the religious yeah. symbology that's up. I noticed in that episode, it was like, oh, somehow they did it. I am now entering this new scene over the shoulder of Damon and Rhaenyra, two characters who prior to that I had been sort of feeling distanced from, and suddenly the fact that they were showing me the, the changes at King's Landing through their eyes and catching me up on six years with their eyes, I was like, they did it. They got me they got me on their side somehow. Like, yeah. and, and Damon is awful. You know, he's terrible. Yeah, he's awful. But yeah. we're, we still sort of like what he brings to a scene. Um, and I think Rhaenyra is maybe destined to be tragic, but we see how there was like a side to her that we really liked. And um, I don't know. I just think, yeah, it reminds me of Game of Thrones in that sense of if someone's heroic, it doesn't mean they're going to make it through this okay at all. You know, th th those rules of storytelling have been thrown out. So, yeah. And, and not to mention the fact that like it, 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 it accomplishes the the task of like getting you to care about and or even like be interested in a root for like bad people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you like like a Jamie Lannister or, you know, or even Prince Oberyn, like people that like aren't really good people, Tyrion. you know, but like Tyrion, anybody, you know, but like Jamie comes to mind, you know, they've done horrible things, but they accomplish some way of like. I could see things from their perspective a little bit as the show goes on, or like you can sympathize with them a bit based on what they're going through now. But yeah, there you can see that in, in motion, like you're talking um, with some of these characters already, um, specifically with Damon. But uh, so, so you mentioned Jamie. Yeah. I just have a quick question for you guys. People always mention Jamie throwing Bran out the window in the first episode of Game of Thrones as the whole thing of like this is a toxic guy we never should have liked him um he's an yeah. example of 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 anytime someone criticizes a character on this show for being unlikable people always throw back to that moment and i just want to ask am i the only person who thought that was hilarious <laughs> i thought it was so funny it, man it's very funny but it's like when, funny. when that first episode ended that way and you're being introduced to this world in this tone i instantly got the joke that i'm supposed to kind of like the guy who just yeah. threw this kid out the window like i knew i guess brand did survive but you don't even know in that moment that what's going to happen yeah. there but i just thought like oh that's the world we're in is the the, the knight with the blonde hair like murders a child you know <laughs> because the kid shouldn't have been where he was like yeah. i was on board with jamie as a character at that point but again i think that i was ready to believe we're supposed to like awful characters on this show but so many right, people yeah. mentioned that moment like i've still you sh i can't believe people like his character he still did this awful thing and i'm like yeah but he did it because the kid was like snooping on him uh, you know and and shouldn't have been i don't know i just think there's something about that dark humor to this world that is maybe yeah. more prevalent in game of thrones it wasn't as prevalent in this season of this show but um ronald did you did you like jamie nonetheless even though he pushed bran out the window <clears throat> did, man he's such a snarky asshole you know even when he got captured and was kind of traveling around as a prisoner he became even more likable it's like you know you think that like he's going to get his comeuppance and then when he got his comeuppance i'm like this is all right he just got cooler. 
Every time he got knocked around, yeah. he got cooler. Yeah. Um, exactly. It's funny that the Lannisters are, are speaking of coming up, uh, come up, and the, 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 the Lannisters are trying to come up on on this era of the show. Like yes. they're not quite who they are later. I, I love those little and the mention of Winterfell and the Starks in this episode really got me excited. That maybe we'll see some some of that next season. So yeah. I think so. I think so. Got us on the hook. That we are. Uh, yeah. House of Dragons season one's out now. HBO Max. You can catch up on the first season if you haven't watched it yet. Sorry if we spoiled it for you, but you know, it's your own damn fault. Um, Ronald, on the video, you can like flash spoiler up on the screen oh, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll just I'll just keep it on the screen, man, because it feels like the whole, you know just, just leave so people know. Just leave it on the whole episode and like yeah. is this podcast <laughs> called Spoiler? <clears throat> Did it change the whole approach? Um, all right, cool. Well, so yeah, that that wraps that up. Um, what else? Did, if you guys watch anything else you want to kind of mention before we wrap up the episode? Nothing Any I other shows, movies, anything exciting? I just want to say that Steve Carell has continued uh, the uh, act of not being funny anymore and just doing uh, um, emotional dramas. Uh, and The Patient is like the most bleak. I don't even know that there's been a half hour psychological drama before, but uh, it's the most bleak half hour uh, psychological drama I've ever watched. And it just it just finished up its first wow. only season. I don't know how it could have a second season if you've watched it. Um, but, you know, Steve Carell, come back. Be funny again. <clears throat> He's great yeah. in the show, by the way. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's one more case of Steve Carell totally tamping down the <laughs> the, the side of him that got him in the door. Interesting. I got to check it out. I watched the first episode and I, uh, I thought it was pretty good. Well, Donald Gleason is great as well, but it's like, it's funny. Steve Carell is doing the most nuanced, quiet performing of his career. And Donald Gleason is like, put on a wig and like, I'll do a voice <laughs> and, and we're home, you know, but they're both great. <clears throat> okay. And David cool, Alan cool. Greer pops up later and, and he's great too. Oh, so. wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, what I was gonna mention, I I saw um, yeah, VHS ninety nine is out on Shutter. Okay, um, it's like an annual thing. It it is now, I guess, for the for that streamer. Um, it was good. It was it was um about on par with ninety four. Maybe I, I might I may have liked it a little more in terms of the consistency between each of the shorts. Um, mm. I mentioned the I mentioned on the podcast last week the the show um oh, not the show the movie Deadstream um, that I really liked. And uh, the the filmmakers of that movie, um, Joseph and his wife, what is her name? Vanessa Winter. Um, they have one of the shorts in here. I think it's called To Hell and Back. It's the one that ends the, the VHS 99. Um, so it was kind of cool to see another thing that he acts in and they, they, they co-wrote and co-directed together. Um, that was definitely one of the standouts of the of VHS 99. Um, and there's another one that's kind of, I think it's called Oz's World or Oz World. It's like basically a send up of like Double Dare or like Legends of the Hidden Temple, like those kinds of game shows of the 90s, um, like if they went too far. <laughs> um, and uh, those are pretty entertaining. But yeah, if you like the VHS films and there's a ton of them to this point, but it seems like they've already announced the one for next year. VHS, I think it's 86. Um you know, definitely something here for you, I'm sure. And, you know, I think this one was as good, if not a little better than last year's. And again, that's on Shudder. Um, the other thing I want to mention, I saw a complete departure from anything horror related. I saw the um, the new um, Julie Roberts, George Clooney rom-com, Tickets to Paradise. 
And I don't fucking care, man. I liked it a lot. And really? I, 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 I guess it's more so I just liked seeing them on the big screen together again and or, you know, just in this kind of movie. And it kind of gets to what we were talking about before about like the the uh, about, about, about bros. And just in terms of like a lot of the rom-coms were just like, OK, they're fine. You know, yeah, even yeah. the ones that people remember as being better than that, they really are just fine. It's more like they had the actors that were like you yeah. love because they were stars. And like you have two of the biggest stars in this rom-com and whether or not they're bankable or their box office reliable anymore. It, you know, this movie's already grossed $100 million internationally. It just opened in the States last week, I think, as kind of counter programming to Black Adam and overperformed. Wait, what's that? What's the Black Adam? Uh, you're going to talk about it, I think, in a second, maybe. I don't Is know. Is that like a Black Adder spinoff? Uh, and oh. you tell me. I didn't see it. Is Rowan Atkinson in this one, or is it like <laughs> I don't know? <laughs> Might be. Anyway, um, but I don't know. Like it's just, it's it's just the magic of like the star power. And I'm not talking again, not box office, nothing like that. Just on that screen, yeah. Seeing George Clooney and Julia Roberts riff off of one another, mm-hmm. and just having a blast. You know, filming a movie in Bali. You know, it's got to be a great vacation for them and theirs. But like. You know, the younger cast is really good. Billy Lord's really funny. I love Caitlin Deaver. Um, I just found it very entertaining and fun to watch. This is a solid rom-com. And again, Julia Roberts and George Clooney are like tops of my list for both sides, you know? So like, especially Julia Roberts, like she's like one or two for me. So to see her again in that kind of role um, and her smile and her laugh, like it's just- Does she laugh? I was about to say, does she laugh? I guess she does. Absolutely. Like it's just, it's, if you want it, it's there. And I definitely- I definitely enjoyed it uh, because of her and George Clooney is just, they're just great together. And uh, yeah. So yeah. Tickets to paradise is again in theaters. If you're looking for a rom-com um, and don't want to watch a superhero movie, uh, black Adam, you can go watch ticket to paradise, but what, how tell me about black uh, Adam, John, you what, know, the, what, the best format think? for this is you guys just hit me with quick questions and I'll try to give quick answers about black Adam. You, you said, did how, you enjoy it? Um, moderately, not, not really mixed negative. Mixed negative. Uh, is the hierarchy of DC forever changed? All right. Uh, uh, you know, I think according to what I saw on screen, I think it is. According to what I felt in my heart, no. That's the one. Um, do you think that you'd want to see The Rock in more DC movies? Um, I oddly think that The Rock is not the weakest <laughs> spot. I'm not going to try to take that kind of a yeah. hot take. But I think The Rock not really soaring and connecting as this as this character is the is the weakness of this movie, is the prime weakness mm. of this movie. Cuz you could have uh, kind of a a dumb script and kind of a B-movie sort of story if you had like a super charismatic lead, but <clears throat> I think it's very ironic given all the hype about The Rock and this character and everything that's gone into this. It's like, it's one of those things where you watch a movie and you go, oh yeah, there was no reason to think that the hype was connected to anything real. Yeah, but hype. That like, that like, they weren't really taking it to the next level. This is a very yeah. like middling superhero movie with some with some cool stuff in it. And you know, and it, it does, if you like that sort of DC, um, Zack Snyder kind of look and feel. There are some, there are some moments. There's some action. This they do try to make it wall to wall action as much as possible. So at least it kind of moves at a decent clip. It's just a shade over two hours, so it's not the longest of these things. It doesn't punish you too much. Um, but yeah, it it it's hard not to rate it against the sort of expectations that were being generated for it. But I realize in retrospect, that's just the hype. That's just what The Rock does. If The Rock was hosting a a reality show on NBC, he would have done the 
same level of hype about it. He would have been talking about yeah. how he's going to take on Pat Sajak, you know? So it's like, I think that in the end, I, I fell for the hype only in the sense that I actually thought, oh, maybe this movie is going to surprise me with what it has in store, but it's really just sort of exactly what you might think. Um, and yes, if you were thinking, oh, Pierce Brosnan is probably the most fun part of this movie. You're right. Okay. But did it suck? No, it, it might've been more interesting and more fun to talk about if it sucked. <clears throat> <laughs> okay. Sounds like, I'll, sounds like I'll probably wait for that to hit uh HBO max. <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't know. That, I think that's it for this week. You guys got anything else you want to mention? No. Uh, I want to mention two things just real quick. Do Saw it. Pearl. Uh, what a crazy movie. I thought that X was crazy. This was a little weirder. Um, in the, the end credits have something, they do something that I'm just a big fan of that I have not seen before. That's all I'll say. It's nothing really crazy. It just, it's unique. Uh <laughs> Um, but overall, I thought it was nice. I, I enjoyed it. It was very bloody and felt like a continuation of X. And I can't wait to see what's going to happen with Maxine whenever that comes out in the next, you know, six, seven months, maybe a year. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about was Gangs of London season two. Um, man, if you like action, if you like adventure, if you like John Wicky sort of things, wiki wiki this wiki. is the show to watch this wiki wiki if you if you're into that sort of thing watch this show it is the most action-packed almost to the point where like it is startling what they're doing in this show and the second season ups the ante things get a little crazier it follows the events that happen at the end of one which are pretty uh story shattering things uh but yeah it's gangs of london I'm on episode three. The whole season is on AMC Plus. Um, and it is looking and feeling like uh, much more chaos is going to happen in the Wallace family. So. I can't wait to watch that. Again, though, just too much to watch, man. Too yeah, much too to watch. watch. All right, man. Uh, MovieSchmovie.com is the website. Again, like we mentioned at the top of the show, there's a link there for it too, but Movie Schmovie can be found on YouTube. If you go to youtube.com slash Movie Schmovie podcast, if you want to find us there, you can make sure to subscribe and click the bell to get notifications when these episodes come out every Friday, but also when those special shorts come out throughout the week to get your movie news and the such. But if you want to subscribe to the podcast itself, the audio version of it, movieschmovie.com, you can go there, listen to episodes directly on the site. Or pick your podcast platform of choice. Say that five times fast. <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll be back next week again. Required viewing for next week is 1999's Ravenous. Uh, I'm not quite sure where it's available for streaming. I should have probably looked that up uh, before we started recording the episode. But I did <laughs> choose it during the episode. So you could probably do a quick Google search if you want to find it. Um, but yeah, we'll be talking about that next week. And uh, some other movies, I'm sure. And maybe some TV shows, most likely. Um, you guys good to, good to good to go, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. All right, guys. As always, thanks for listening. You made our day. Bye.